Hello, welcome again to the Mike Thrays podcast. You're listening or watching your host, Mike Thrays, here on Spotify, Apple, Anchor is where I do most of my recording. But yeah, whatever streaming app service you've reached today, welcome. Thank you for supporting the channel. Thank you for being a part of this conversation, interaction. And the topic today is awareness. Awareness. What is awareness? How can we apply awareness on the awakening journey? This might sound off topic, but an interesting way to begin this for me, and it's definitely connected with awareness, the power of awareness, is sometimes to adopt awareness or have awareness, something that, yeah, Ekatole and Neville Goddard and, and Christ conscious spiritual awakening teachers. Awareness is almost identified through its non-duality. Awareness is a is a presence. It's almost like the higher self for me. It's the ability to perceive the situation from a bird's eye perspective. It's almost like this point on the awakening journey that again Eckert talked about, uh, Eckert Tolle talked about when he was close to death. He, he was really at this point where he wasn't, yeah, he, he'd had a lot of trouble with his mind and He'd lost a lot of close people in his life, including a lot of teachers and scholars where he'd been studying. He studied either at Oxford or Cambridge. It could have been Cambridge. And he just didn't see much point in living anymore because he was so in the conceptual mind and the conceptual mind is always in this space of concepts, trying, editing. The thinking mind, in fact, more than the heart mind, awareness. But to get to the awareness, you've got to collapse and affect the thinking mind. You've got to go to the depths of the the challenges. And that was what Eckert was at, where he'd built up an identity for so long with trying to effort and prove and become an intellectual superhero, something I could relate to, a lot of us could relate to on that hero-pleaser genius state where we're trying to get all the wisdom, trying to be worthy, trying to be loved, somebody to love because we're looking to find the love through an external layer, perception, duality. But this is what happened to Rickett where he had this aha moment that Oprah talks about where he, he started saying, I can't live with myself anymore. I can't live with myself anymore. And it sounds like from a, I guess, a common three-dimensional usual conversation, it doesn't perhaps sound all that um, enlightening. But the Eckerd who'd been on this shadow journey, the shadow, and who'd been in effect without knowing the term of awareness or how to describe it, he, he often also calls it presence. And a level of presence awareness was awakening him. This was that point where he was like, who is the I and who is the self? I can't live with my, so I am the my, presumably one, I am my self anymore. He realised there was a difference between the I and, and my, I my, slash self. That the self was a construction of the mind, an identity, in effect a separation, a duality. But the realisation of the duality is ultimately the doorway into awareness. So that's the amazing thing, that the challenges and the shadow and the, the pain and the suffering, I'm not saying it's 
like this for everybody. And we can, I think a lot of, there's a lot of conscious parenting and teaching and meditation. And a lot of people I find online using wellness products and essential oils and brought up in environments where they're practiced to observe their thoughts. And But in the environment that Eckert was in, and something I can similarly relate. So like when we're so caught up in the mind, we can't see the separation. But what creates the separation <laughs> is the excessive preoccupation with the mind. So Eckert was, he got to the point, I, I can't do it anymore. You know, I've crossed, I've hit the finish line. I've got all the trophies. I've done all the things. But I'm still not happy. I, I still, and the reason is because happiness is not a reasonable thing. Happiness can't be defined on a conceptual basis. It's a feeling dimension, awareness. So that's what I'm discovering more and more. And it's, it's infused in all my works. But even the act of writing and speaking, communicating, does have a conceptual element, doesn't it? And it's related to the, the Tao Te Ching, um, the, the Book of the Great Way, where one of the the verses, it's quite well known. You can probably Google it or, or Pinterest it. They, I think it's roughly, I'm not always great at um, transcribing these or re, uh, I guess you could say, yeah, quoting the quotes. But it, the gist of it is, those who know do not speak and those who speak do not know. And you think, what? A little bit like Eckert before this. You know, I can't do this to myself. It doesn't make sense from the conception of mind. But when you think about it, those who speak do, yeah, who do not know, those who know do not speak. What they're saying is to, to conceptualise the awakening experience, the knowing, the awareness, is to ultimately <laughs> to go into conceptualisation. But at the same time, and this is where I, I feel inclined... Yeah, Eckhart Tolle uh, obviously wrote, has wrote a number of books on this. He's made a career out of speaking about his awakening experience. Uh, for me, awakening infuses all aspects of my reality and it's something that I use to navigate relationships. So, but you can't, it's true, you can't necessarily communicate. It is a feeling dimension, but what, in effect, I'm intending to communicate in this podcast and all the work is awakening awareness, is a, it's a feeling dimension, it's hard awareness. It's the ability to dissociate from the identity mind, the conceptual mind that's geared and programmed around lack and not good enough. So that's my first real preface, I guess, to what awareness is, that it, it is a non-conceptual realm. It's what people call the non-dual space, or the, there's no real good, bad, right, wrong. But the trap and the challenge for me with this, and this is what we talk about with the, the shadow journey, the shadow healing, integration. And yeah, I've, t- I've touched on it through a number of uh, books and content and we, we come across it a lot with the idea of subconscious free programming. If you've had an awakening experience, to get to that awakening, what Eckert did, to, to be so to move so much that ultimately was considering ending it. I can't live with myself anymore. There must have been a whole level of suffering to get to that point. So there was an absorbed suffering of mine. And this is where what there could be a bit of somewhat of the differentiation between people that have got to awakening from a 
a near-death experience compared to those who've got to it from the experience of extreme suffering or long-term suffering. Um, generally, they're connected to both. The suffering is connected to the programming of the thinking. The near-death experience for me, without, um, I, I guess we have, there's layers of that. And even on the awakening journey, we can have, you know, people have ayahuasca journeys and there's shamanic journeys, which I've been involved with, with Reiki also. We have, they, they call that instant satori, instant enlightenment is another term. Satori is this, this glimpse of instant awareness. But the, the NDE or the satori, it's almost like that's a reboot of the computer, the hardwired programming. And with the near-death experience, there's so much of it can be dissolved and it's not a physical thing again. It's not necessarily a conceptual thing, but it's like, remember with the analogy I used in, in this and most of my books, that the subconscious mind is like a hardwired processor. We are all energy. And even though we can't, many of us can't see energy or even feel energy, like electricity, it powers all our devices. Electricity is the generator of the world, all our resources, but we can't see electricity either. So it's the premise that we are energy and electricity is a form of energy, and hence energy is everything. But to reboot this computer, this hardwire, is to ultimately change the processor. It, it is, it, when you have a significant death, enough energy in effect is released because the programming is dissolved with it. It's died, it's reborn. But for many of us, and I think I'm probably more on this boat, and Eckert would probably say he's perhaps more in this space as well, Neville Goddard. While you can have Satori, enlightening, awakening, Kundalini-type experiences, what seems to happen is the suffering is still there that created the awakening, and it needs to be processed, transmuted. What's called shadow healing. And while we become aware this greater level of awareness of beyond good and bad, right and wrong, non-dual, that it's all stories. Everything's stories. We play out stories and we see the stories. We become more aware of the negativity. And hence we're more accountable. We bring our energy back into ourselves and stop looking to blame others. The stories still exist as much as we believe in them. And the ability to perceive them is not always in the conceptual story. It's working with the subconscious mind. So this is where shadow healing is so important and where, yeah, I've been in a bit of the crux lately with certain projects and creativity and intending to be more commercially minded and connect with people on a, yeah, more of a community basis, but also becoming more aware and get awareness that I've had a lot of some subconscious programming or subliminal limitations that I've stored down that's still attracting negativity at some level. So even though we can believe we love and light, joy and bliss, and we, we believe in the worthiness, and I'm very much about assuming the state like Neville is. Neville Goddard's premise of his teaching is the I Am movement. And Joseph Benner, again, was a big advocate of the I Am. The I Am, in most simply, Connect with law of attraction, but it's just assuming what you believe you are, you are. But the ability to believe you are what you are is how much faith and trust you have in the outcome, how much you practice the I am. For Neville, he simplifies it in terms of the wish fulfilled. Wish fulfilled being in alignment with your heart desire, your heart. Worthiness, prosperity, abundance, deservingness, unconditional love. 
almost all of them, virtually all of them, are not conceptual. You, they can have a conceptual layer. Prosperity can have a conceptual layer in terms of money and financial wealth. But the ultimate level of prosperity, unconditional prosperity, is an unconditional willingness to receive. Worthiness. Worth. Same with unconditional love. Conditional love can be proved, can be bought, can be efforted, conceptual. But unconditional love is embodied, is felt, is discerned. So it's the alchemical journey, uh, the heart, which again, Paolo Coelho talks about in The Alchemist, is the character has all the riches at the beginning of the journey. It's already worthy, literally sleeping above his treasure. But his ability to receive the treasure as full like as he already is, and very heart-centered, it still needs to be purified. He needs to meet challenges to see and, and have things go wrong. He, he's ultimately to not be so worried about impressing the, the, the person he's going to the village to show that he's a shepherd he, that he met a year before. He begins the journey, oh, look, I'm, I'm a shepherd. This is what I do. This is my identity. But he never ends up meeting that same person that he met a year earlier because his frequency's changed. He's now met the old king. He's had a dream with his personal legend with the treasure. He's on a different journey. He's no longer on the conceptual journey. So prosperity, unconditional love, Yes, they have a concept. So love has a conceptual element. Prosperity has a conceptual element. You could say worthiness. You could cond conditionally worthy. It's almost like a paradox in terms. Worthiness is innate. It's awareness. It's unconditional love. So, but the ability to perceive that using the I am, ultimately, you can assume I am unconditional love. I am prosperity. I am worthiness. But the ability to perceive it, to see it, is how much you hold fast to that vision. For Neville, it's inevitable. He believes once you make the wish, once you assume the state, it has to marry up. But the timing is what gets us, isn't it? And it's the stories that we had in the back of our head. And the ability, like Santiago on that journey where he's tested, tested, has to become the wind, has to go into the Egypt battered and bruised but he persists he keeps believing and the ability to receive ultimately to be purified of the negativity on that awakening awareness journey is to keep believing and persisting even when there's a lot of evidence to the contrary and that evidence of contrary quite often is our shadow because the shadow has to come up be purified in order to embody the awareness so whatever they're asking for in the unconditional love quite likely and this is the interesting thing. If you want to be unconditional love, you're going to feel worthy. You're going to be tested in all the relationships in your reality and still value you for you. And it might not, you might be looking at unconditional love from a relationship perspective, an intimate relationship, a family. But quite likely it won't be in that that you'll be tested. You'll be tested with your friendships, your work colleagues, your intimate family, the people you talk to down the street, the way you manage your energy. And if you're giving your energy away, and there's, there's layers to this as well, it's okay to be a pleaser, to please people unconditionally. You, you enjoy being a high-vibe frequency, joy. But if you're needing every environment to affirm your worth, to affirm you as a pleaser, you're still trying to control that environment. You're putting conditions on the, on the contract, on the environment, on, our, on their love. So to embody unconditional love, prosperity, worthiness, Ultimately, it's still about directing that love within. 
at the same time <laughs> to love oneself when the shadow comes up because everything that's been suppressed or repressed that is expressed, that's the challenge, isn't it? When all the shadows are appearing in front of you. So how do you do it? Acceptance seems to be the key, isn't it? Or even for Jesus Christ, forgiveness, acceptance, redemption. If you can accept ultimate personal responsibility for everything happening and people that mirror conversations back to you, if you could, uh, I mean, it's an interesting element. Buddha, the Buddha would indicate detachment. And detachment is a way of being detached or desires detachment from relationships. So you're not trying to control them. In effect, detachment from that perspective is also unconditional. The middle way is ultimately not being attached to the good or the bad. It is the 5D. But I think what's somehow missed with Buddhism and it's coming forth from a different perspective of using Christ consciousness and Buddhism awareness, ultimately Tao or the, the frequency of Buddha Maitreya, the power of joy, the joy frequency, being in the vortex, which is an Esther Hicks Abraham teaching, is you can still be detached with, and in the vortex. Because you're in the flow and you're in the space of the allowing and you're not putting unnecessary conditions. And it's more of the feeling dimension. Whereas I think in the, in the early stages of Buddhism and the shame of desire, I think desire could be swapped with attachment. And I think it probably already needs to be done. Rather than being detached from your desires, be detached from your attachments. Embody your desires. If you embody who you already are, what you're already inspired to feel, it's not separate from you, is it? And because you already are, and you assume the state of I am already what I desire, I'm not separate from my desire. I had someone tell me this. You're not separate from your desire because they're already embodied within you as awareness, a frequency. They might not physically appear in the outer throne, but the only reason they haven't appeared yet is because you haven't yet purified the consciousness of the, of the need to have them because the need is only based on conditional. So it's all about belief and faith and trust. But the faith, the trust, the belief is ultimately this idea that we need something in the future. The salvation is in the future. But if you assume that it's already done, if you're assuming I am awareness behind the identity, if you're assuming that this is purely a everything that's expressed is only related to the identity you've temporarily adopted. And the identity is just a means of, of expression of the awareness. And awareness, the power of the awareness, is ultimately in changing the, the state. You know, you change the mirror rather than change of face. The, the, the mirror changes when you change within. And when you stop trying to fix and rescue the body, people stop needing to be fixed and rescued. Thanks again for being a part of this today, tonight, whenever you're listening or watching it. And bye for now.